I'm your host, Jeff Dawson, for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events, from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. And it is, summer finally hit here. It's in the mid-90s. Yeah, it's kind of hazy, partly cloudy, but it has warmed up and people are complaining about it. And I just shake my head at them and go, you know, you can count on your hands how many hundred degree days we've had, maybe six this year. So uh, y'all quit your whining. Really, this is absolutely disturbing absolutely disturbing okay one thing i've been talking about is this book signing well i'm waiting for a call again but i probably didn't call her back in time because it's going to be at dunston's on uh lover's lane that'll be the first one and we're working on the second one but it is coming and since i only do this show every two weeks i suggest you go to my blog at LDDenterprises.com. And I will put the updates there when I finally get the go-ahead on when we're going to do this. And that I am looking forward to. Speaking of Dunstan's, I can't list everybody that was there last night because it was packed. This was the Harry Hines and Regal relocation because we celebrated the 56th wedding anniversary of Jerry and Patty Berry. And it was a grand time. Sadly, not all of their family could be there, but uh, I think if they would have all shown up, would have been putting people on the roofs. The room they had reserved, it was, it was sizable but it wouldn't have held everybody, but they still had a great turnout. They were extremely pleased and surprised, which is a good thing. And uh, Jerry's usually not a man of many words, but he actually spoke last night. He set his beard down and told his bride how much he loved her. And he was looking forward to another 56. And it it really was. It was just a good time. And I've only known these people about a year now at the most. But uh, we got to celebrate his 77th birthday. And uh, now their 56th wedding anniversary. And they are a very unique couple because how many of us can say we've been married that long? I can't think of anybody, not from my generation. Well, yeah, not from my generation yet. A lot of them have made 25 and 30. I think there's a few that are at 35, but 56, that's, that's quite an accomplishment. I know my parents made it to 
60. I think they were going on 65 before my dad passed, but uh, that was just a different generation. They learned how to deal with difficult times. They were the Depression era. They were the World War II generation. And uh, they understood that not everything's going to be smooth. You're going to have rough patches, which they've had plenty, which you'll hear some of them when I read this deal that I wrote up for them. But they were just really good people. Now, if you want to call in and you have something you want to add, the number is 888 627 6008 or 323 744 4831. And to listen to this on iHeart, the phone number is 631 359 9353. Dunstan's is a great place to go. In fact, one guy at the hotel where I live was bad-mouthing it, and I just told him, why don't you just shut the hell up? You're stoned all the time anyway. What would you know? And he's kind of looked at me like, okay. And I said, yeah, some things are best not said. So uh, just don't, you know, why are you talking? That is one of my favorite lines to people is, why are you talking? You really have nothing to add. So some of you have heard this that were there last night. And some of you haven't. So I'm going to share what I wrote for Jerry and Patty. And it really didn't take me that long. Maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes yesterday afternoon. It's like, you know, let's... Let's try and commemorate this and let them know how they touch other people. And to me, that's what writing is about. And many have told me that after they've listened to me talk and then they read one of my stories, they all say the same thing. You write exactly the way you talk. And to me, I I take that as a great compliment because that means they can relate to it. It's not some obscure person that I don't know who these people are. But I have read plenty of books through the years, no telling how many, a couple of thousand probably. But uh, I never really got a connection per se and who that author is. Now, there have been a few, probably a couple of dozen that were personal memoirs that you could relate to that person. If you met them, you would probably recognize them. But then there's been other ones I've read where it's like, I still don't know who you are. And if you talk to me, it's like, well, why do you speak different than the way you write? But then each of us has our own style. So this is what I wrote for Jerry and Patty Berry. I remember the first time I saw them. Wasn't ready to meet them yet. Some people you need to feel out before engaging, and that's what I did. It wasn't difficult to know which side of the political aisle they'd lean to or the station they watched. Yeah, it was Fox. I couldn't help but ask why. Patty gave me that, you a liberal look. 
Yeah, you know it. And that triggered a spirited debate, to say the least. But it didn't sway them from having me and my accomplices engage with them each Friday. And then one day, unbeknownst to me, they invited us to the adult table. That was over six or seven months ago. And in that short amount of time, I've learned what true love is. They epitomize and practice it every day. 56 years is a long time for those of us who will never know the joy of such a long-lasting love. It is through the stories they freely share that allowed me to see a glimpse of their life, the good and the bad. I'm sure there were times Patty might have wondered what she'd gotten herself into, even when the local sheriff warned her about Jerry. She wouldn't be denied. That was her man. They didn't have two nickels to rub together when they said I do, but that didn't matter. They knew when they gave their vows, it would be through thick and thin. The day their stereo was repossessed was one such moment. For the time when Patty slugged her boss in the balls for popping her strap one too many times and got fired. They weren't deterred. Nor when Patty drove to Parkland to see how Jerry was doing after one too many. It didn't weaken their relationship, it strengthened it. The day I knew I was accepted, despite my weakling badgering of her, of which I must say is so much fun, was when Patty shared her father's book, her sister Maureen meticulously put together of their father's freedom honor flight to Washington, D.C. That was a true honor, and I was turned on to the book Sacrificial Lambs that provided a bird's eye view of what their father endured during his time of service in World War II. To Jerry and Patty, while our time together has been short, it has also been a lifetime. Thank you for allowing me a glimpse into your lives and the beautiful family you have built. One last thing, make sure your drink tonight is at arm's length. Don't think Jerry wants you sticking to him all night long, maybe just a few minutes. And they really liked that, and I really enjoyed doing it. But, you know, I mentioned this book, Sacrificial Lamps. Her father was on a <coughs> destroyer around Okinawa. And the book Sacrificial Lambs is exactly that. And I did a review on this many, many months ago. Those guys were in the line of fire. And they were out there to be bait for the Japanese kamikaze planes. And that's what they did. And that book, I mean, that's what her, their, her father served on. And the name of his ship escapes from right this minute, but it was it was the Langley, I think. No, no, no. That was the aircraft carrier. But what those guys did was just amazing. I mean, you know what you're there for. You know you've got a bullseye on you. But that's what you're there for. You are to shoot down as many of those planes as you can and have as many of them attack you as they can before they can get to the main fleet that is supplying all those troops that are fighting on Okinawa. That's a fabulous book. And looking at the book that they put together for their dad when he went there, that was just, you don't get to see that very much. I mean, that, that alone was like, you want to share a family heirloom with 
basic stranger. I mean, they knew me, but there are just some books that you don't loan out, which I've learned through the years. If you loan it out, you better make sure you got a magnet on them to get them back because for whatever reason, people just don't want to return things that you loan them. And then when you do ask, ask them for it, they've always got some lame excuse, but what a, what a great story. And, so, Patty and Jerry, congratulations on 56 years. May there be many, many more to come. And as long as I'm invited, I will continue to harass and badger. Because that's what keeps the mood light. It was a great time. Okay, now the other book I want to review, I read this probably eight or nine years ago. The author is Sean Sweeney. It's called Royal Switch. For whatever reason, I keep calling it Double Switch because that's pretty much what it's like. But this was when Kindle books were first coming to fruition. We were able to download them digitally. We were getting samples from authors. This was, that had been 10 years ago. And all this, I got to read a lot of good, good stuff and a lot of bad stuff. Well, this one, especially for a baseball book, is really good. Like I said, it's called Royal Switch, and the author is Sean Swinney. Started out a bit slow, but once all the characters were in place, it took off with a resounding bang. Mr. Swinney's years as a sports writer served him well. A known Russian billionaire who obtained his wealth with unsavory tactics purchased the Royals and moves them to Oklahoma City. He, like the Yankees and Red Sox, used the winter meetings to buy the World Series. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The season starts with a bang. The new acquisition from the Phillies holds up his part of the bargain as producing at a Hall of Fame pace until a slide into second against the Yankees just before the All-Star game, snapping his ankle in half. His brother Steve, identical twin, is capable of, is called upon by the front office to take his brother's place. Steve worked for the club as a locker room attendant. The owner, Mr. Guston, made it clear upon his hiring to stay out of sight. The team could have big plans for him. Harry Elderson, a sports writer for the Daily Oklahoman, covers the team from day one. While interviewing one of the pitchers after a win, he looks back at Rivera, whose bat appears to be coming back to form after spending 15 days on the DL, and notices something is missing. His mind can't shake off what his eyes have revealed. From that point on, his mind is transfixed with the unimaginable. Harry becomes an unwitting participant in a cover-up traversing Russia, the CIA, the MLB commissioner, the Red Sox, Yankees, and a host of others. The book is a thriller in every sense of the word. I enjoyed the read, but was hoping for a better ending. The plot is good, but it left a lot of questions yet to be answered. A different ending would have begged for a sequel, but still, overall, you like if you like baseball, which you all that listen to me know I do. Guess what? That was a really fun book. Because how many are deal with? Uh, uh, worldwide intrigue. And that's what made this one so cool. 
there just isn't one. I mean, The Natural was on the other night, and we know what's going on in that movie. Robert Redford has to, he gets shot. This girl commits suicide. His career is put on hold, and then he comes back. He's also still got a bullet in his gut from that unfortunate evening. But as far as something that's really fascinating and fun to watch, I mean, fun to read, yeah, Royal Switch, you'll enjoy it. It's on Kindle. You can go go to Amazon, just like you can go to Amazon and find all of my books under Jeff Dawson. In fact, my favorite book, Love's True Second Chance, the e-version is priced at $3.57 right now. That is going to change after tomorrow, five seventy-seven. I've been running a sale now for about three weeks. So that is a great story. If you like true love stories, it deals with me reuniting with my high school sweetheart after 30 years, knowing that she has breast cancer, but I'm not swayed by that. That doesn't bother me in the least. And we got seven great months together. And when you read that, Many have described it as a conversational book. They feel like I'm sitting there across from them, telling them the story as they read it. And yeah, it's a damn good book because it's true. And it was written from the heart. This is not made up. Just glad I don't have to write another one of those. Okay. Oh, what do we got here? Yeah, let's let's just stay with the baseball for a minute. We know the Ranger season was over in July. That was a given. It took the ownership a lot longer to realize that it was done. And they quit screwing around and screwing around trying to figure out what's happening. And they failed until the last three weeks. I've actually woken up that I guess we better play all the guys that are in uh, the minor league system. Gee, this is what they did last year. Only they did it the last month, which they learned nothing. Or maybe hopefully they're going to learn something this year. And it looks like they just might. Now, who they bring back is anybody's guess. It's anybody's guess who they're going to bring back. But on the pitching side, I follow the Rangers podcast. That's Ben Ben Diters on Facebook. And he's pretty damn good. I like Ben. I'm not sure what he does for a living, but I've always have a really good discussion with him when it comes to baseball and he brought up the pitchers that are potential for next year, which is Fulton, <clears throat> Fulton, Newich, Allard, Lyles, Hearn, Otto, Alexi, Ari Hera. Well, apparently he believes Lyles will not be back next year. Okay. That'll work. I can deal with that. But when it came to Fulton Newich, 
No, I don't want him back. He's got a bad attitude. If he doesn't get his way, he stands on the mound like a spoiled little child and throws a fit. Gets his panties in a wad. Well, get over it. Allard, man, as much as I'm pulling for Colby, this this starting role just isn't working out for him. He seemed much more comfortable in the bullpen. He has had some good outings. But maybe he just needs, if they want him to be a starter, then maybe the minors is a path to get some more seasoning. Hearn, yeah, Hearn excites me like a wet dream. I'm just not seeing anything there. Probably a reliever role. But Otto and Alexi. Last night, Otto had to go up against one of the best pitchers in the MLB. Shoni Otani in California. And by God, that kid, this is his second start. He held his own. When I looked at the stats, they were even. His stats and Otani's stats were damn near the same on hits given up, runs, walks, and strikeouts. And this was only his second start. And this is Otani's third year. That shows me poise. In character, just like it does with Connor Brogdon, who I've talked about, that is in a relief role with the Philadelphia Phillies that I watched develop over the last 12 years. I see a lot of potential with Otto and listening to him talk, very humble, very grounded, and loves to play the game. Arihara, well, he just came back from the injured list. He's been out for about three months. It's hard to say where he's going to fit because he wasn't lighting it up when before he was injured. So that's going to be a question mark. But it does mean there's hope. I don't know how much because we don't know what they're going to do in the winter. And Lord knows what what trades they're going to try and do. But, you know, one, you need to start signing who you think is going to be your team to at least three to five-year contracts. If you do 2022 like you've done 21 and 20 and 19 and just keep giving out one-year contracts, no one is going to have any confidence that they're going to be around the next year. And that a team doesn't make. You've got to show them some confidence, and that means three year minimum three-year contracts. Don't be bringing in three or four veterans again with one-year deal. If you're going to build a team, John Daniels, pull your head out and build it and start signing people. You can only flip the coin so many times before people just get frustrated. And the players get frustrated and the morale drops. Okay, it's really that easy. Now, this is September, and this is baseball month. And, man, do we have some races going on right now. Now, the Rays, the White Sox, and Astros, right off the bat, looks like they're in the driver's seat and everyone's chasing them. Well, it's the people chasing them, the Yanks, the Red Sox, the A's, and the Mariners. They are really 
struggling right now. If the season ended, Boston and New York are the wild card teams. But with 27 games left, it's hard to say who's going to stay hot, who's going to trip, stump their toe, and who's going to be staying home watching the playoffs. Obviously, the Rangers will, as will my Detroit Tigers. But, you know, at least Detroit's in third place in their division, 13 and a half back or so. But they were respectable this year. So, and I, so I see something being built in Detroit. I just can't say that about Texas right now. On the National League side, that's going to be wild. You got the Brewers, who are the only team that you can say has the, they got the Central Division. The other two divisions, uh uh-uh. The Dodgers and the Giants are really going to be racing to the finish line. You can, this is really heating up. I wish the Padres could have hung on and been competitive, but uh, damn, they just they fell off. And then the Braves, the Phillies, and the Mets in the East. That's anyone's call. It's there for the taking. Who's going to step up? course i will pull for the phillies because connor brogdon who i have spoke highly of this whole season but it's going to be exciting and those last two weeks if you got multiple tvs and you are a baseball fan i'm sure you're going to have them all on because when TBS and TNT come on board along with, it just irks me to say it, ESPN and maybe even ABC. That's all it's going to be. It's going to be a baseball bonanza. And which is great because my buddy across the hall, West Ford, he's a big Yankees fan. So, there's a lot of bantering going on between one and uh, me, one of the Yankees to lose and him just saying your Rangers suck. Well, I understand that, but Hey, it, it's fun to get in debates and talk about the teams, and what's going on and uh, who's going to melt down. It's just fun pushing buttons every once in a while. And with these races as tight as they are, there will be a lot of buttons. I just keep hoping the Rangers are going to be a spoiler, and I'm really pulling for the Orioles. Oh, they almost tripped up the Yanks last night, but it didn't happen. They hung in there. How they won 11 innings. It's 4-3. So maybe Baltimore can regroup and win two. I mean, they need to win something. They are the, They are so bad. Not as bad as the Diamondbacks, but, you know, when you look at it, actually, I take that back because, yeah, the Orioles are the worst. They have the worst record at winning percentage of 311. The Diamondbacks are at 333. The Rangers are at 353. 
and then the Pirates are at 361. Well, Rangers might catch the Pirates. They can win a few games and the Pirates lose a few. We'd only have the fourth worst record in baseball this year. Wouldn't that just be something to hang your hat on? No, not at all. Okay. I posted on my Facebook page. I'm going to mix my promotions up a little bit different this week instead of doing them all at once. It's my GoFundMe. And I have made many mentions that uh, this radio show is not free. It costs $99 for them to produce this. Each time I'm on, that's why I'm only on twice a month. You want me on more? I need help. And I hate charity. I want to work for my money. You got my books on Amazon. You can subscribe to this channel at $2.99, $5.99, $9.99, whatever you want to pay. And you think it's worth a month, they'll accept it. And that will help pay for this show. I also have a YouTube channel. And... I do post stuff up there, but at times I really feel it's that it's gotten like Facebook. And uh, if you've been tagged conservative by any stretch of the imagination, you're done. They're going to, I think uh, the producer, what was the term? Ghost blocking or something that they're following you. And if you have conservative viewpoints and ideas, they're making sure that uh, without you knowing it, that's not getting out. So if you, I have had some very faithful followers, Jerry and Patty are, are at the top. Then I have a gentleman by the name of Brian Sanborn and some others. But the only way this works is if you, you tell your friends, you get them to listen, you get them to contribute and help. And that will keep this show on the air. And, I mean, I appreciate everyone that listens and watch. I mean, I do try and put together really good information, really good subjects, and keep you engaged. But I need your help to spread the word. There's only so much promotion I can do. And believe me, I do it every day. I probably spend the first two hours of the morning promoting books, promoting the show, promoting Herbalife, and I'll get into that later. But uh, it is work, and it does cost money. And since I'm out of construction, this is it. This is how I'm going to make my living. Okay. A month ago, I had a gentleman on, Lee Stewart. Some of you might remember him. And we're talking about racism in college football and the social justice warriors and the head coaches and all that. What it changed. 
One thing that we also talked about was Quentin Ewers. This is the kid from Southlake that was supposedly somehow going to finish his one class that he lacked to get his degree over the summer so he would be eligible to play for Ohio State this year and hopefully, hopefully get some big-ass endorsement contract. Well, Quentin played. No, Ohio State played. What was that? Thursday night. And Lee called me up and was asking me about the – tell me about the game. And I was like, I didn't know it was on. He goes, oh, it's on, it's on. What do you think? Think Quentin's on the team? He said, I don't know. I really don't care, but why don't you check the depth chart? Well, he didn't call me back, so I pulled up. Now, when Quentin was supposedly going to Ohio State, there were already six quarterbacks on their roster. He would make number seven. Well, I guess he thought lightning was going to strike because when I went to Ohio State's depth chart, guess whose name wasn't on there? Quentin Ewers. Interesting. Well, if that's the case, then he's not getting a contract. He's not getting an endorsement this year. Which begs the next question, what about next year? What if he's not the starter next year? What if he's not on the depth chart? Will he stay with Ohio State? Or is he going to try and transfer to a school that he can be the limelight and get the endorsement deal he so damn deservedly thinks he he needs. This whole deal is going to go to hell. And I don't think he'll stay. If he's not a starter next year at Ohio State, I bet he bolts trying to find a team that will make him a starter so he can try and get some recognition, get his get ESPN to get his name out there and get some type of endorsement deal. This, th- this is not good. And in 10 years, I think it's going to be a disaster. I think college sports is just going to – it will still be there, but it's not going to be what I've known. And you think it's a money machine now? Well, I don't think we've seen anything, but the money will destroy it in the end. There's going to be more court cases. There's going to be money laundering. Kids are going to be, You know, administrators are going to be paid to get a kid to pass. So, so much for no pass, no play. That's all going to go out the window. Administrators are going to get paid to pass a kid. They're going to falsify transcripts. It's just going to be a mess. You know, think about, think of LeBron James. Oh, his mom bought him that Hummer. Yeah. You believe that, I'll sell you an iceberg in Louisiana. I'm sure you'll jump right on that, won't you? I mean, this is not going to go well. Not at all. 
Okay. But I know Oklahoma State's playing today. I just haven't. I forgot who they're playing, but it's a tune-up game. So they better win. That's all I can say about that. All right. What else we got this week? The COVID shot. To shoot or not to shoot? That seems to be the question. And I am scheduled to get my first one on September 9th. Why? Because I got to thinking, okay, I'm not a, not a fan of this vaccine. But if I want to go out and speak to people in different companies, that could be a requirement. Okay. And I believe there's enough data out there now that uh, I, I don't give a damn what the people on the news say. I mean, I caught a clip on CNN. Yeah, I've got to watch them every once in a while. That uh, made the comment, uh, we don't want to make the vaccine political. That was John Berman. Well, what the hell were y'all doing over a year ago? You all politicized it. You turned this into a fiasco. And I had this debate with, yes, I have a liberal friend. And we dated years ago, back in 2000. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to change her mind, but in our discussion, she goes, have you gotten the shot? And I said, no. And I could just say, well, why not? Because Tucker Carlson said so. And it's like, what type of shit is that coming out of your mouth? No, it's not because of what anyone said. Did you get yours because of what CNN said? And just kind of fluffed up. And well, well, I said, I don't want to hear it. The news is not going to tell me what the hell to do, okay? It's really that damn simple. I'm sorry you can't understand that. But, you know, anti-vaxxer, and I had to tell her, you know, we're the same age. We've got the scars. We had all those shots, but our parents didn't. And I had to remind her of that. When they came up with the polio vaccine, do you think all these parents ran in line to get get a shot? That had the polio virus in it? Hell no. Absolutely not. You're going to do what? Uh Uh-uh. No, you're nuts. But what they figured out was, okay, people want their kids to go to school. We're going to make the shots mandatory. If you want your kids to go to school, you have to get these vaccines. Okay? That's it. There was a battle, but it wasn't as fierce and vile as what's going on right now. Parents said, okay, we want our kids in school. And they didn't think anything about it. I remember standing in line when we got the MMR shot with a gun. There was probably 200 of us because we were told, okay, be at this auditorium at this day, at this time. 
and get your shot. And it was just bam, 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 bam. I don't know of anyone that had a reaction to any of the vaccine shots that we got. In fact, my grandchildren, they got vaccine cards. Have you had your shots? My kids, have you had your shots? But this one became so politicized. And I, I guess the funniest part was, I guess the first the first shot started being administered in December. And this this is what politics did to it. She said, I wouldn't take it if it was Trump. And I'm like, I, you it was developed under him in the CDC, and it just became this really stupid argument of, well, who's in charge of the CDC now? Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that when they, when Biden got a new one or they appointed a new head of the CDC that they changed all the formulation? That's just so stupid, it made my head spin. But her hatred for Trump was just off the wall. And we discussed other issues, but the shot was like, He's the one that put warp speed into action. And I saw a story, I don't know if it was three or four months ago. Oh, they were already working on it years ago. Anything not to give Trump credit. It just appalls me. And I've said it many times. And this is something that I have argued with my conservative friends, you know, I'm not drinking a cup of coffee with Donald Trump unless I know he's paying for it. He's from New York. He's the developer, and that's just the way it is. Whether he's a liberal or a conservative, I've dealt with developers in the Dallas area, and they're all the same. I'll get whatever I can. If it doesn't cost me, I'm in there. People didn't understand that concept, but for her to try and accuse me of you haven't gotten the shot because of what the media has said is absolute bullshit. It's a choice. I hope I don't have a reaction, and that is one of the main reasons I have held off due to a reaction I had from a flu shot, and it might sound ludicrous, but it is what it is 45 years ago. I got the flu and I was laid out for two weeks. It was horrible. I was limp as a noodle. I had no energy. I was throwing up all the time. And that was the last year I got a flu shot and I was 14. So I remember the next year my dad came in and said, well, let's go get our butt stuck. And it's like, uh, pass. What do you mean pass? And I said, pass. I'm not going through that again this year, dad. I can't miss two weeks of school. I'm not that good of a student to begin with. And you want me to do what? No. And I held off and I haven't had one since. I've had the flu a couple of times for the years, but I was able to get plenty of stuff over the counter to kill it or at least make it to where I could function and still do whatever job I was doing based on who I was employed by. But there you have it. But yeah, I am scheduled to get my first one on the ninth because I want to. And maybe if the media 
and the politicians and the dumbasses and the morons would just shut the hell up. People might actually do some research into it, see what's out there, see if it's right for them and their family, and then make an educated decision. Talk to their medical professional and go from there instead of relying on getting their information from Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever other social dumbass media outlet that you're relying on factual information because it ain't the facts. It's opinions of which I write a lot of our articles and they are my opinion on certain topics, especially when it comes to history, but I will back it up with facts. When I see some of these memes and stuff, I just shake my head and go, are you serious? Where did you come up with this crap? And there for a while, when people would post some ludicrous claims, I just, I'd fire right back and say, you want to try again? In fact, I saw one, uh, a video was sent to me how all the farmers in Nebraska were churning their fields, just destroying their crops. And the government was paying it. And I was just like, oh, hell no. And it was, it was a quality source of information. It was a TikTok video. So you know that's got to be true, don't you? Uh-huh. And I ask after watching this melee of crap, I ask a couple of pertinent questions and was told, well, I'll get, I'll, I'll call him and get back to you. And then I had to follow up like three or four days later because there was no call back. And then I found out she did a little more research and found out, well, the government does. It's like, duh, I know they pay farmers, not the plant. I was married to a farmer's daughter. Yeah, I was. And I know how it works. They are paid based on the store, what's in the storehouses. If they had a bumper wheat crop or milo or corn or whatever, hey, we're going to pay you not to plant 5,000 acres this year. You can plant the other 10, but you ain't planting that five. And this is what you pay you. Okay. Yeah, their subsidies, their handouts, which that's another topic for a different day. But this was nothing new. And in the video, they showed some guy on a Toro lawnmower. What, you know, yeah, it's a riding lawnmower. And he's supposedly chopping up his field with this lawnmower. I said, Are you shitting me? Really? You think some farmer's going to take a lawn mower not a brush hog and knock his field down you know how much damage it do to that machine and destroy it of course that thought never permeated her brain until i brought it up but you know tiktok that's a reliable source facebook Twitter, that's where you're going to get the facts and the news. Uh-uh. And you will run across an individual such as myself that actually will do some research before posting some bullshit. 
doesn't mean you won't be bullshit, but at least it has been well-researched bullshit. How's that? Well-researched bullshit. In fact, you know, that, that here comes the uh, Patty Berry syndrome. In what I read, I mentioned about this drink falling into her lap because when I first came in that Friday night, she called me an asshole. And I was like, well, that's the way to be greeted. Yes. And how are you this evening? And she told me later, she goes, did I say you were a non-functioning one? And I said, no, you have never said that. She goes, good. Then take it as a compliment. Okay. I got you. Well, after I read what I wrote for that, her daughter came up to me and called me the same thing. And you made me cry. And I was like, so when I make you cry, I'm an asshole. All right. I'll take that as the very compliment. I like that. But it's not, I'm not going to be like the book, the scarlet letter. I'm not putting an A on my clothes okay let's just get that straight patty and jennifer i ain't putting that on my shirts i'm not wearing the scarlet a how's that so yeah i'm gonna get the shot i'm gonna get the first one on the ninth and hopefully i get nothing more than a sore arm okay Let's talk about polls for a minute. You know who they are. Quintipoc, uh, Reuters, Fox, CNN, uh, Gallup. They've all got polls, right? Do you remember the lead story, especially on Fox? After the election results were compiled and the percentage points of win, the winning percentage point. And Fox spent a week hammering these people that do polls and how useless they are and uninformed and how bad their analysis is and blah, blah, blah. And this went on for a whole week. Uh-oh. Guess what uh, Fox is concentrating on now? The same polls that they told all their viewers were useless, they are now supporting. And you know why? Because Biden's approval rate is dropping. Now they want to give credence and credit to the same companies 10 months ago they were lambasting for being ignorant. Now you figure that out. Does that make sense? Not in my world it doesn't, but in the media world, what's the difference between the media and politicians? What they get paid a year? What's Tucker making? Two to three million. Ainsley, two to three million. That's a whole different story about her. But I do have an unintelligent comment from her 
turn this week. Um, Brennan, Berman, you, you name them. Whereas our representatives make 175000 a year. They're all politicians. While politicians vie for our votes, the media vies for the ratings. They're all bastards. They're all whores fighting for ratings and money. Viewers, power. You tell me the difference. With the media, the hard part is we can't get rid of them other than just turning the channel off, which, believe me, that's not that hard to do for me. I turn it off. And I don't miss a beat. Politicians, all we can do is try and, if we don't like them, vote them out of office. And that's about, those are our choices. But they're all the same. Look at the suits they all wear. How do you, uh, and I say the same thing about the sports announcers. How do I relate with somebody who's wearing a $6,000 suit and $1,000 shoes? I see the same thing, especially Sean Hannity. He makes sure that he's got the most expensive suit on. And I haven't listened to Hannity in years. And I haven't missed anything in years. But they're all the same. And these are the people that are trying to give you honest information. Ask yourself this. When is the last time you watched a news broadcast? Not an opinion broadcast, a news broadcast. Now that I would be interested to get comments on. And that's something else. When you watch these shows, put some comments in. Tell me what you think about it. Let me know if it's worth going on with this. Because I get to see on the number, when I download it, it shows how many viewed it. And the viewership has been like a roller coaster. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. But it's just like a book. If you've read one of my books, post a review. It's not that hard to do. If you liked it, say this was a great book. Great story, good characters. If you didn't like it, say the author needs to go back to elementary school and learn how to write. Any review is better than no review. And people say, well, I'm not a writer. You don't have to be a writer. Did you like the book or not? Yeah, I really did. You really took me to that time in your life or that character in the book. That's your review. That's it. That's all you got to do. You don't have to write this uh, long, drawn-out deal. It's, did you see a movie you liked? The other, did you see this movie last night? Just take a title. or Like Band of Brothers. Do you like the show Band of Brothers? Oh, yeah, I think that is really well done and all that. That's your review. That's it. That's all it takes. That's a review. I liked it. It was great. 
That's a review. It's not that hard to do. That lets the author know they should continue to write, that they have a good audience. It's just like a show in the call-in numbers. The more engagement there is that lets that host know the listeners are getting what they want. It's not that hard to do. You can even put it in the comments when the show is uploaded. I will see those comments and I can still respond to them. And you can actually tell me if there are other topics of interest you'd like me to get into. It's not that hard. Okay. I mentioned that uh, I usually do it at the beginning about stupid comments, but there are usually so many that I've, I've lost track, especially when I listen to the Ranger games. I mean, those guys, I just, I'm just going to hang myself listening to Nitwit and Raymond. They're just, they are, the Three Stooges had more sense than these two clowns. I, I'm waiting for them to say something intelligent. Well, that ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. But uh, it was, I mean, you know, Ainsley, bless her little heart. She sits there and reports about inflation and then made this comment this week. uh, Has milk gone up? How's that possible? Well, she's been reading this teleprompter telling her all these items are going up. And then when she speaks off the cuff, it was like, oh, what did you just say? And, of course, the two guys flanking her, they were like, huh? You've been talking about rising inflation for, what, two months? And now everything's going up. And then you act like, well, his, I didn't know if milk's going up. You have a child. Do you not see that the prices of things for her are going up? Well, that's right. You make over two to three million dollars a year. What do you care? This is this is just stupid. Take that script away from these people and have them think on their feet. And you're going to find out just how pathetic they really are. You think they do their own research? I don't. And off the cuff, they're just lost. Absolutely lost. But when she made that comment that it's gone up, uh, you've been bitching about this for two months, or at least that's what you've been reading, obviously it doesn't register. And it's across the board. It's all these. They, they aren't anchors. They're just. I don't know what they are other than an embarrassment to journalism in the United States. That's pretty much what they are. Okay. The last thing I'm going to get into, I'm not going to do it yet, is Afghanistan, which that is the topic of the day. And I will say this, I wrote a four-page article on it, it's on my Facebook, and it's also on my blog on the website, LDDJ Enterprises. 
and I did a lot of research and countered a lot of the comments that these, what are they? They're not, uh, would you classify them as comedians? No, because comedian is funny. I don't know what I would classify these people in the media as. I mean, Ringling and Brothers is gone, so they can't be clowns. Uh, hucksters, that might be an appropriate term. Hucksters or uh, what did they call the guys that were in front of the uh, creep shows and stuff? wasn't callers. They had another term for it. But that's really what they are. They're just hucksters. And they're trying to sell you their wares. You know something? I ain't buying. I have to watch it occasionally just to hear the stupidity coming out of their mouths. But I ain't buying what they're selling. Because you can't get a refund. And if I can't get a refund, why would I want it? Because I'm sure not getting a 30-day money-back guarantee that we're telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I look forward to a station that does news. I really thought News Nation with WGN was going to be an outlet, but uh, hell, they've been in existence for a year now, and they have changed their format three times. Looks like they're going to change it again. Banfield needs to go. She's just that sore titty that you couldn't stand in college. Like, would you please shut the hell up? Being perky and pretty is not presenting the news. And then when she talks, it's like Laura Ingram, who still reminds me of Willie Nelson when she talks. But that's, that's beside the point. Um, I do not want to rant and rave on that anymore. Oh, what I do want to talk about real quick is those of you on my Facebook that follow me on Facebook know that I've gotten back on her blog. And that is, you know, it's a 41-year-old company. They've had plenty of rises and falls. If you go to Wikipedia and look them up, you're like, oh, good Lord. They've been embattled since day one. Yeah, pretty much. But they're only doing $5 billion a year worldwide. And I know the last time I did this seven years ago, I dropped a ton of weight. And I got to the point where I looked down one day and I couldn't see my toes again. Of course, they've been in the shade for so long that uh, I think I've actually had some small saplings coming out of my toenails. <clears throat> no, it'd be moss because nothing grows in the shade unless it's uh, fescue. So we won't get into that. And I got back onto it about two months ago. And I do one shake a day. Got like 14 different flavors. The one I like is cookies and cream, and it has 24 grams. One serving has 24 grams of protein. Then I tried, I got a little sample. It's called Prolessa Duo, which is made to burn fat. I said, okay, I'm going to give this a try. 
Uh, I'm not a real fan of the flavor because it's got soy in it. And it kind of tastes like sunflower a little bit, but it does change the flavor of my cookies and cream. But this was a seven-day trial. This little deal here. Not neat. Just to see, okay, does it, is it going to increase the fat burning? I don't know. But I'm not on a diet. I'll make that very clear. I'm not on a diet right now. Now, if you want energy, well, well let me finish this. And then I got these two snack bars. One has, let's say, glasses back on. Oh, on the cookies and cream bar, it has 15 grams of protein. These are really good. And then the other one has 10, and these are, what is, what is the flavor? Oh, they call it vanilla almond, but it's, it's more like caramel to me. It's really good stuff. I like it. But I got back on it because I want to see my toes, and I'll be, they're almost there. I can almost see my toes. Got a ways to go, but I got tired of going, laying on the ground so I can stretch out my back and keep it from locking up and all that bad stuff. I felt like a flat tire when I would roll over the floor, kaboom, 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 because my belly was always in the way. Well, now I've got rid of the the A in the kabump, so it's now just K, just a K and a bump, so it's going down. And I noticed that the other day when I was watching TV, and I was breathing in three months ago when I breathed in, looked like I had an inflatable balloon in my stomach, and go, ooh, just keep going, ooh, keep coming out. And I was watching it the other day and go, damn, it's not moving. So it is going down. That's progress. That is progress. And if I can't make fun of myself about losing weight, who can I make fun of? But I'm not on a diet. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, I know. I am trying to change my lifestyle. So it's a shake a day. It's two miles a day. And it's a protein bar. It's cut my uh, groceries by 33, about 30 to 33%. Because this is what I'm eating. And I did factor in the cost of these. And I'm going to tell you what the cost is. But you can go to my website. And I'll put that up there. So you can, if you watch this, you can stop it and go to it. And you can do whatever shopping you want to. You, you go in, you sign up. I'll accept you. You get to shop whatever you want to, then I'll approve the purchase and it will be shipped to your house and you don't have to see me. And for a lot of people, oh, hell, I don't have to see him. I like that. But if you don't want to lose weight, so let, let's, you just want some energy. Okay. Got a deal called total control. This is really cool. This is caffeine. That's the main ingredient of it. One serving is 82 milligrams of caffeine. Okay? That's pretty intense. But you don't have to take, there's three in a packet. And if you read the directions, it says take three a day. You don't need three a day. And this is one thing that I did with Patty 
is apparently she was looking like a Mexican jumping bean at night because she couldn't go to sleep because she was taking three a day. She's cut back to one a day, but she's also cut back a quarter of her coffee consumption. And if you're wasting your money on, I, I drink decaf. I have to because I don't have a tolerance for caffeine anymore. But if you're looking for energy, the total control and then Herbalife tea, got five flavors of that you can see that on the website and then you've got this little liftoff deal and that comes in fruit punch orange pomegranate and lemon lime this i definitely cannot take because it would blow me it would knock my heart out of rhythm and i'd be in the er so if you are sensitive to caffeine these are not going to work well for you i'll tell you that right now I would love to take one, but I also know that uh, after my blood clots in 2011, I have no tolerance for caffeine, and I just can't do it. And I found that out when I drank a cup of fully leaded, and I had to knock down two I had to double my dose of Intenolol trying to get my heart back in rhythm. I think one time I had to go to the hospital over it. And that's where it was decided caffeine is not your deal. That's just, damn it. And I loved fully leaded coffee. But can't do it. But if you can, then you'll definitely benefit. Now, if you got any questions, I'll give you the phone number again, 888-627-6008 or 323-744-4831. You can call in and ask me anything you want to. Okay, Afghanistan. I'm not going to completely get into that. Like I said, I wrote an article, and you can read it on my blog or on my Facebook. But some of the high points is people say this has never happened before. Now, that's kind of true. It hasn't. People have uh, one gal, and many have said, well, it's just like Vietnam. Yeah, kind of, sort of, but not really. And uh, one gal actually said, it's just like Korea. And I was like, Korea, we're still there. Are you just stupid or ignorant? We're still in Korea. Okay. In Vietnam, Nixon said he'd win it or get us out. When he realized it was unwinnable, he got us out. NVA spent the next two years building up, which that was an intelligence failure, but we were done. We were done with Vietnam. We weren't going back. We had trained them. They were holding the line. 
will you say it was an intelligence failure on the United States? You could, but we weren't sending troops back in. Now, we still had a lot of people in Saigon that were sympathetic and hoped to hell the NBA, the North Vietnamese government, would abide by the treaty, which they had no intentions of abiding by the treaty. They waited and waited when they knew they had built up their armored divisions, their motorized infantry, and could strike the South in a lightning strike, they did. And in two months, Vietnam fell. That simple. All we could do, and it's not like the military collapsed. They did not collapse. Those The South Vietnamese Army really fought hard. Yes, some of them got surrounded and surrendered, but overall they held their ground. They were just outmanned. They were outnumbered. They weren't ready for this assault, and they didn't have us to provide air assault, air defense. That could have turned the tide, but we had turned it all over to them. And we left over billions of dollars of equipment, but we knew what it was being used for. So, yes, we had to, two years later, we had the evacuations from the embassy as everybody fleed because North Vietnam didn't agree to the, they didn't abide by the treaty. The only thing that they abided by was, my God, if we can get the Americans out of here and get their Air Force out of here, we can actually regroup and rebuild. But as long as they control the skies, we are screwed. And they were, and they knew it. But with us gone, and everything turned over the South Vietnamese Army, they weren't worried. They had the resolve. The South didn't. They had become dependent on us especially that air power. Man, when you've got control of the air, you have control of everything and you're not afraid of anything. You lose control of the air and uh, now it's a whole different ballgame. I mean, look at the Battle of the Bulge that we went through in 1944. The Germans attacked at the right time. Our Air Force was grounded for 10 days. And it took everything, every man and woman on the line, all of our allies, to hold back 300,000 Germans and all their armor. And when the skies cleared, the Germans knew the party was up. Yeah, they had logistical problems and fuel issues, but they knew when those clouds, the skies, clouds cleared, hell was coming to them. And it did. And that they could not fight against. They could try. So that's what we saw in Vietnam. No air support. Nothing to stem the tide. And it fell. And yes, there was a mass evacuation. 
But, you know, we also had uh, a little thing in 1940 the British did, because I've seen the uh, post that no, there's never been anything like this. Uh, you're wrong. It's called Dunkirk. France and Britain didn't think Germany was dumb enough to attack them. Now, they took Poland. Let's see. They took the uh, Rhineland. They took Czechoslovakia. They took Poland. They took Denmark. They took Holland. Ah, they won't hit us. Oops. And the entire Allied Expeditionary Force gets trapped at Dunkirk. It's only 450,000 men. 150 of them are French. In eight days, they got evacuated. We pulled out 172,000. Those people were under fire the whole time, so don't tell me it never happened. And then we had a little thing in 1948. It was called the Berlin Airlift. I did an article on that, on how many flights it took to keep West Berlin alive. So don't tell me it's never happened before. It has. What hasn't happened before is an utter, complete failure of the generals. Now, I will say this. One of my friends, Bearish, who I will have him on one day, uh, came in and said, do you see how much of Afghanistan is falling? Afghanistan is falling. It's like, those are the outer countries. That's like the central highlands of Vietnam. No one really controls that. I mean, you, he was in the Russian army when it was the USSR. Fascinating stories he has to tell. I said, Russia didn't control the mountainous regions. They controlled the cities just like we did. Controlling the countryside is a whole different ballgame. How many tens of thousands of miles of caves and caverns are in those mountains? I had a cousin that used to sell, used to deal with the Afghanis during the Russian occupation. He could go in and buy rugs from them and get out. And I said, will they ever, will the Russians ever defeat him? He said, no. It's impossible. He actually saw some of the hel Russian helicopters flying over looking for him. He said, they're dug in those mountains and no one's coming in and ripping them out because the only way to those mountains is a death trap. And even with the, your air power, you just can't, you can't root them out. You just can't do it. Okay, well, he was there. I'll listen to Johnny. But this was such a fiasco. And I've seen the MEMS and all the equipment that was left behind, which is staggering. Yet those on the left just kind of like, oh, what's the big deal? I don't know. Yes, a lot of that equipment was left for the Afghan army. Now, that's a number I can't find. I guess I'm going to have to do some research on what made up 
especially in motorized division, how many vehicles were assigned in, say, an Afghan division? There was, what, 300,000 troops? So I will do a little, well, I'll make a note of that. I'm going to do a little research on that. See if I can't find what made up an Afghan division because we only had, you know, going into, we've only had like 2,500 troops there. So obviously they don't need all that equipment. Now the air power, that's a whole different story. I'm not even going to get into that. I have no faith in McKenzie or Miley or any of these guys that they've been putting in front of the cameras. None. Zero. Nada. They're all politicians. They're military politicians, and I can't think of a worse combination. But we're seeing it. And the media coverage has been so-so. I mean, yeah, even the liberal stations can't defend this. But it amazes me how many liberals are now not believing all the brainwashing they've gotten for the last four years now that their news source is saying this was a debacle and they're saying, no, it's not. Oh, really? What did I go back to earlier? They're hucksters. But you bought it. You took it hook, line, and sinker, and you believed all the crap they told you. Oh, now you don't want to believe it because you're not sure what to believe because you couldn't have a thought. And if you did, it'd probably scare the living hell out of you. I've studied a little military history, and I've never seen a debacle like this. I mean, even when the Germans captured 600,000 Russians at the Kiev pocket in 41, I mean, the yeah, to, that would have killed us. If we'd have encountered something like that during the Battle of the Bulge, we'd have been in deep shit. The Russians didn't care. What, 600,000 men? Oh, we don't replace those. And they had losses like that in way in so many battles. It was ridiculous. But they also had an unending supply of manpower. This escape from Afghanistan, I guess Kurt Russell could do the movie on it, is, was horrible. You know, the countryside was falling. Now, that really didn't bother me. It's like, well, they can hold the cities. Obviously, they didn't. But there should have been, which is an assumption, and I hate making assumptions, but you can tell if your enemy is going to be steadfast or not, if your ally is going to be steadfast or not. And if they really have the fire to fight, the South Vietnamese did, they just got overwhelmed. Did the Afghan army have that will to fight? Or were they just uh, marching time until a better deal came their way? That's the question. Now, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, and it's going to be real hard for reporters to get the stories out, but how many people are going to be executed or just disappear like China or North Korea and never heard from again? And no one will report on it because state-sponsored press. 
will tell you what you need to know, not what you want to know. Okay. That's kind of the way that works. But it was a debacle, no matter how you, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on, you cannot be happy with how this worked out. You can be happy with how many got out. But when you look at who provided security so those people could get to the airport, yeah, that'd been like the NBA supplying security around Saigon so our people can get out. It's just a disaster. But why won't anyone in the Biden administration admit that? Because then they'd be held responsible and culpable for the biggest military failure next to 9-11 in Pearl Harbor. And you could actually throw the Battle of the Bulge in there. There were signs something was going to happen. And it wasn't going to be good. It was just a fiasco. Okay. Like I said, you can read that article on my blog. Now, the last thing I want to get into is I won't be on air next week because I only do this every two weeks. If you want me to do this every week. You got to help me. You got to buy my books. You got to subscribe to this channel. Go to my GoFundMe. And then we can look at it. But uh, that's $400 a month to do this four times. And that I do not have right now. But next week is going to be 9-11. The 20th anniversary. Okay. Where were you? I remember I was driving to work that morning. I worked for a construction company. And I was listening to the oldie station. They broke in and said, we are reporting that a plane has crashed in to one of the Twin Towers. Okay. That did not cause me concern because I have known through the decades that planes had hit the Empire State Building. Well, these buildings are a hell of a lot higher than that. You know, was it a traffic control, FUPA? Was it a mechanical failure? Was it weather? Which, once we saw the pictures, we knew it wasn't weather. Not a big deal. I can deal with that. But before I got to the office, the second tower had been hit. And I knew right then, this is not an accident. One is an accident. Two is an attack. And then we would find out that uh, it was a planned attack. The Pentagon was hit. And the passengers took over to the United flight over Shanksville and forced it to crash on the ground. But what is the one thing that really came out was American patriotism and pride. You could not drive down a subdivision without 
seen the stars and stripes at damn near every house. You couldn't drive down the freeway without seeing hundreds of American flags on vehicles. Remember those ones for the windows? I bought one and I never could get the damn thing to stay on. But then those of us, those of us pickup trucks would get a flagpole, tie the flag to it, and drive down the street with it. Do you remember those scenes? It was very typical to what we saw this summer with the Trump boat rallies. That was patriotism. I'm sure that just hurts the liberals, but I don't give a shit. A tremendous amount of nationalism. Oh, there's a word the left hates. Erupted across this country, and we hadn't seen that since December 7th, 1941. You will not attack us, and you will pay for it. That's a given, okay? But here came the hucksters. While the majority of us were behind seeking revenge, remember that night where Congress was together and they held hands and sang either God Bless America or the Star Spangled Banner. We didn't think we'd see that ever again because they were still arguing over the 2000 election and the hanging chads in Florida and how Bush was not the legitimate president and should have been that clown Al Gore. Do you remember that? I do. And then here came CNN and... If I'm not mistaken, they were Johnny on the spot. Where was George Bush when he was told the first tower had been hit? He was in Florida reading to second graders. And when you watch the clip, you can pull it up on YouTube. Yeah, he's got that look of, what the hell? Yes, he was shocked. Yes. He was astonished, and he was dumbfounded. I mean, you just don't think that uh, you're going to go read to school children and within minutes be told that uh, uh, Mr. President appears were under attack. Well, what did the press do about that? They started ridiculing Junior. They portrayed him as blank, unprepared, out of his element look, and then it got worse. They talked about how Junior went into hiding. Uh, folks, their military protocols protocols on that that you don't want the whole government together. They need, in acts of war, they have to be split up so the government continues to function, and they're going to go to secret locations that you don't need to know about. And 
who's who's to say that Al Qaeda had not put terrorists in the D.C. area with shoulder-mounted stingers? They've only got a range of five miles. Imagine if they would have brought down Air Force One. How many virgins would that person have gotten? Oh, more than you can take a stick at. Well, what triggered this is, oh, yeah, I was watching, as I mentioned, CNN earlier, that, uh, oh, they're, one of their anchors is going to have this big show next Sunday or whatever it is, and it's they're going to interview those children that were in second grade. Do you remember what you were doing in second grade? I remember third grade. Second grade, I don't have a clue. I was in, I know this much, I was in Delaware and we took naps in the afternoon, but I don't remember my teachers. I don't remember any of that stuff. So now they're going to have this in-depth interview with these people and like, what were you thinking and what was going through your mind? I'm seven years old. I don't know. Or eight. I don't have a clue what's going through my mind. I'm trying to figure out what did my mom pack me for lunch today? But when I watch that little clip, it's like, oh, God, they're going to make this all about themselves. And look what story we broke. And, of course, Berman and Collins were just, oh, I just can't wait to see that. I, I think that's just going to be great. You know, I see the same crap with Fox. It was like, well, I'm going to do my radio. Oh, yeah, we're gonna, we can't wait to listen. and We can't wait to tune in. What a bunch of bullshit. Just like all the books that they kick out. I can't wait to read it. Have you read it yet? No. Well, you said you couldn't wait. Well, they're just there to be hucksters and push one of their host books. What a bunch of crap. And yeah, I saw that Tucker's got a new one out, the 30-year slide or whatever. No, I'm not buying. I have. No, I'm not buying any of them. Not happening. I don't support these people because they don't support the United States. They don't support the Constitution. They support themselves. They're hucksters. That's it. So, yeah, they went after Junior, if you don't remember it, and just ridiculed him. And then they blamed him for our military being unprepared. You never heard those dumbasses call out Clinton. Remember when he said, and to this day, people say, well, uh, he balanced the budget one year. He balanced the budget and the deficit was still going up, you dumbasses. Did you not see that too? It went up because he kept the funding to the military. And when Bush came in, he'd only been in office, what, 10 months, nine months when we're attacked? 2001, inaugurated in 2001, attacked in September. Do the math. He's got to figure out the damage the last administration have done. So here came the story. Our Humvees aren't armored. They're not supposed to be the reconnaissance vehicles. They're made for speed. Find the enemy. Get the hell out. Report back, and we're going to bring hell upon them. That's what a Humvee was designed for. Not an armored fighting vehicle, just like the Greyhound vehicles of World War II. Get in. Get out, find them, and come back and tell us, and we'll bring in the heavy guns. 
Oh, yeah, I remember the Humvee stories, and they were long. And then there was the body armor, and it was inferior, and it was in short supply. Well, duh, Clinton cut the budget. I remember looking at a job down in uh, DeSoto where there's a Army National Guard base, and I thought it was really cool. Man, here's like two or three dozen Humvees, and I was asking the uh, sergeant working there, what do you think about this? And he goes, they're all a bunch of crap. Really? Yeah. The ones you buy from the uh, dealership are better than what we're getting. And then we can't get spare parts. And then the weekend warriors come in here, tear them up. And we just got to park them and cancel maneuvers because we don't have any money for spare parts. Thank you, Bill Dick Clinton. And Bush was blamed for all this. Do you remember this? Well, go back in your memory banks. Go back and pull up articles from the papers back then. Or YouTube, whatever the hell you want to do. Pull it up there and see what the news was saying. This was all Junior's fault. And then when we hit Iraq, it was all about the oil. Oh, Jesus, we hadn't gotten. We got our oil from Kuwait. That's why we kicked his ass out. That's why Senior kicked his ass out. Of course, Trump makes us energy independent, and Biden screws that up with the stroke of a pen and, and then tells OPEC to produce more because we got to buy more. What type of shit is that, and how the hell can you support that dumb ass? And that was a debate, part of the debate I had with the gal I mentioned earlier that I dated. It's like she just goofed when Trump said America number one. Well, duh, every other country wants to take care of themselves first before they deal with others. But when I talked to her, it was like listening to CNN. It was appalling. Good Lord. All right. I, I, I don't want to get off on that again. But yeah, Bush was blamed for all this. It was all his fault. It was, it was just. Jesus Christ. Now, I will say he could have killed bin Laden, but he relied on the Pakistan government. They didn't follow through. And then Obama had to kill him. Well, then why didn't we get out after Obama, after the mission was completed? The mission was kill bin Laden. He's dead. Now we can start drawing down. And if you look it up, when they had the debates going into the... uh, uh, 12 election, Obama said it and Biden said it. We will be out in 14. Why weren't we? Why were we still there when Trump was in office? I posted the one on Biden saying it when he was debating that pussy John uh, Paul Ryan. He'd have been a pathetic vice president. But that's all Romney could get. Was it? No, McCain. No, Romney. Romney was second time. They, very specific, we'll be out in 14. We're still there in 16. Trump comes in. He wants to get us out. The military has a problem with that. But like I said, you can read about that in the article. Okay, let me get back to this 9-11 stuff. So Bush is blamed for everything. Well, 
you know, what are you going to do next Saturday on 9-11? What are you going to do that weekend? Well, I know what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do what we did back in 2001. I'm going to have the same mindset as 2001. There is a veterans uh, cemetery about five miles south of here. I've been there a couple of times because friends lost family members that had served. And I'm going to go there and have a moment of silence and honor those who gave their lives, whether it was during battle or old age or illness, but it's, it's a veterans cemetery. That's it. And pay my, my respects. Cause I won't be able to go to Tulsa. That's where my dad is, but he was a veteran of world war two. And my mom, she didn't, she served, but as a civilian, she worked at the, uh, a government agency that cataloged, captured enemy weapons. And I think, I think she was in DC or Philadelphia when she had that job, but that wasn't something she talked about very much, but I will pay my respects. And if I had a house, I would be flying my flag, but all my flags are in storage in Tulsa. And I will call my son-in-law and my niece's husband and thank them because both of them served in Afghanistan or Iraq. They were involved in those conflicts. They did multiple tours over there and thank them. And damn, I forgot the name of Patty's nephew that was there last night, but he had just retired from 30 years with the Marine Corps. And I thanked him for his service. And that's what I'm going to do on 9-11. I'm not going to sit in front of the TV. I'm not going to give these quote anchors. Well, no, we'll just call them what they are. And that's, that's the term I'll use from now on, hucksters. I'm not going to give those hucksters any ratings whatsoever. They don't deserve it, except those that actually served, which Fox has two of them, I believe. But I'm not going to sit there and watch their shows and have them pat each other on the back because you aren't honoring those that have served and paid the ultimate price for our country. Because there's so much more to it than the flags and the banners and the parades and the cookouts. And I am going to read this little excerpt from the article that I worked up. Those of us who remember and stayed the course know of the sacrifice our men and women in uniform gave. But we don't know their personal sacrifice. For 20 long years, they went and fought in a foreign land. They fought for the freedoms and liberties we all take much, too much for granted. We can't share the burden of lost comrades, broken bodies, and mental anguish. We cannot fathom the depths of despair and sleepless nights they endured day to day 
or those that deal with survivor's guilt. We cannot begin to understand their silence or distant stares into an abyss we can't even imagine. What we can do on this 20th anniversary is show our ultimate pride and respect by flying our flag proudly and remembering all those who paid the ultimate price and those who served yet bear scars externally and internally and let them know they are not forgotten but loved for their service. We can go to a local VFW and thank all those who served in our wars. We can drive to the local VA cemetery and pray in silence, letting them know how grateful we are for their sacrifice and undying patriotism. What the 20th anniversary is not about is the media trying to score points with the public. I will pay my respects, as I said, by calling my son-in-law and niece's husband. I will stop by the VA cemetery in Dallas and the local VFW. But what I will not do is give the media ratings. Because they don't deserve it. They haven't earned it. They didn't fight for it. They didn't sacrifice for it. They have producers who write their crap that they spout off. And people will suck up like a sponge because they don't have a thought between their ears. I feel for those men and women who have so proudly worn our uniforms of all the branches and serve so that we can enjoy the freedoms and liberties that we just take for granted too much. They have wounds we can never heal. There's plenty of support out there for them. But as we've seen through the last year, the suicide rate of our servicemen has skyrocketed. That's got to stop. It's got to be addressed. I know those men and women, they have to want it. But if you know them, if you know anyone that just doesn't seem right, and you know they were over there, and they say distraught. You know the old saying, you can't, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Well, it is kind of the same thing, but if they aren't willing to go themselves, then find that support group yourself and tell them, hey, there's something wrong with them, okay? I'm just telling you. They will be more willing to talk to a fellow soldier than a civilian because the civilians, we weren't there. We didn't go through what they went through. And if you've talked to veterans, you, you get that feeling. They'll tell you they served, and they'll tell you what they did. 
but they won't get into the specifics and the details because you can't relate to it. They will be speaking a foreign language. They will describe feelings that you don't know how to catalog and deal with. And when we don't understand, what do we typically do? We brush it off or ignore it. But in this case, when it comes to our veterans, it's our responsibility if you know one and you know they're hurting, but and you've made the suggestion and they say, yeah, 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 I'll do it. You know when someone tells you, yeah, 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 I'll do it, they're not going to do it. So find the support groups and let them know, hey, this person's in trouble. And if they ask how, said they're just different and they really need to talk to someone. And you people are more equipped than I. But ignoring them will only have the suicide rate continue to climb. And that we don't want. They serve. They serve proudly. Now we need to serve them and help them when they need the help. And I really don't think that's asking for too much. And if it is, then this is not the America or the United States that I grew up with, grew up in. And that's all I have for this week. And I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you buy the books. I hope you do comments about this show that I can respond to. I hope you will look into the Herbalife line if you want to get some more energy, if you want a change of lifestyle. Because that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help and to educate. But I need your help to do that. So you all have a great week. And do remember those who have served not only in Afghanistan and Iraq, But for those who are still here that have served in Vietnam, Korea, and yes, there are still some left that served in World War II. And on this 20th anniversary, honor them all because we owe them so much that we will never be able to repay it. You have a good week. And we will see you in two weeks. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com. Websites, LDDJ Enterprises and jeffdawsonauthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook, LDDJ Enterprises Publishing, or email LDDJEnterprises at gmail.com or on Twitter at jeffdawson59. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain.